Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I am your host, Quentin. It is Saturday night, August 1st. I'm going to stay up all night and watch baseball, I think. I got a good amount of junk food. My mom showed my parents came up last weekend. Uh, they came down from Illinois to see my daughter, who they had actually never met before. My daughter's six months old. And they bought a 24-pack for me of old-style beer, Chicago's finest disgusting beer it's not the case like during baseball season i just like to drink piss beer right which is just like your cheapest headache inducing worst hangover ever beer which sort of includes like keystone light bush old style milwaukee's best old milwaukee just like those nasty disgusting beers that's what i love to drink during baseball season and truly i think that comes from being a lifelong Cubs fan because you just develop alcoholism because it's just in your blood at that point. If you're going to be a Cubs fan, you better make sure both you and your liver are in it for the long haul because if not, you're not going to make it to the other side. It just won't happen and you will cash in your Cubs fandom to be a Cardinals fan, right? And that's sort of what I think Cardinals fans are. It's like, uh, hold on. <laughs> Listen, let me give you some backstory, right? So I'm from the southern part of Illinois, right? Five hours south of Chicago, but only two hours from St. Louis. So there are a lot of Cardinals fans there, right? And listen, I love Cardinals baseball, and I don't really mind Cardinals fans, really. Um, I Sometimes I hate Cubs fans more than Cardinals fans, but that's a time, that's a, that's a subject for a whole nother podcast, right? But I always like to say, that Cardinals fans in Southern Illinois are the ones that just couldn't drink enough to keep up. <laughs> you know, like, what do you do with your sorrows when your team sucks so bad like the Cubs do? Like, the Cubs sort of suck right now. If I have to go out there and watch you, Darvish, just give up more home runs, like, I don't care if you, Darvish, doesn't walk anybody. Like, stop not being good, right? Because each time the Cubs lose... My liver enzymes increase, and that's sort of a problem. I have a daughter to think about now, right? But there's no way in hell this 24-pack of beer is going to last me very long. <laughs> but I think the I think the Cubs are like 5-3 and three or something. I don't know. Um, such a weird 60-game season, man. Crazy, crazy. Um, I'm happy with the first week, right? Like the COVID-positive test, man, that sort of stuff is weird. But listen, like I, I'm thankful to have baseball around and I missed it, right? The, I've always said like when it comes to baseball, and I've learned it from being a Cubs fan, being a baseball fan to me is not about my team winning, right? Being a Cubs fan, it's mostly about losing, but really it's not about winning or losing. Like I've always thought about baseball as just like a life experience, right? You know, when it's like learning the game when you're a young kid, right? Like, you know, my dad teach me how to play baseball and building me a pitcher's mound in grade school, right? For the backyard. Like, those are just like things that I love. And that's sort of what baseball means to me. So when you run into this 60-game season and it's like a lot of people are pissed off right now because it's like, for example, seven-inning doubleheaders just got passed. And a lot of folks aren't a fan of that, you know? But I think given the circumstances, like, they'll deal with it. But the, usually when people are like seven inning double headers, you're going to start a runner on second and a tenth. Like, this isn't travel ball. Like, what is this gimmicky? Like, this is major league baseball. Like, give it to us, you know? And I understand why they're doing the runner on second, and which is something I could get used to, like non pandemic. Um, well, sort of, right? Like, 
So my thing, and you've probably heard me say this in older episodes, but when it comes to starting a runner on second and extra innings, I'm totally cool with doing that during like this whole COVID-19 pandemic, but I could make a case forever to have a runner start on first in extra innings in the future. And what I would do, hear me out. Listen, I think baseball is way more exciting when runners are on base. I really do. And when you start to get into extra inning games, I think it would be really fun to just put a guy on first, right? Give teams an extra roster spot for like a speedster, right? Because then you would get into extra innings, and you all of a sudden the inning would start with this really speedy guy on first who would be encouraged to steal ideally to try to get that run and try to get him over to second because you would want to avoid a double play right I feel like teams have deep bullpens now everyone throws like 98 mile an hour sinkers or whatever and it's hard to sometimes score runs when bullpens are just loaded like everybody throws 95 right now And honestly, if you're a bullpen guy and you only throw 95, that's probably considered a little slow. Like, what the hell, man? And so put the guy on first, man. Because, you know, when you watch like um, like NFL overtime, right? When Because I think at this point, like it's sudden death. Like if you score a touchdown, like you win. Like NFL overtime has always been so damn fun. But extra innings, especially when the game's like one-to-one and no one's scoring any runs, it almost it just feels like a weight at that point. Like it's just a pain in the ass because like if I want to watch the Angels play the Dodgers because I want to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, then that game goes into extra innings. I'm up till two o'clock, right? And I'm 36 years old. I can't do that shit anymore. I'm old, right? Like my knees hurt and my back hurt. I can't do it. It's no good. But put that guy on first, man. Forever. Right? Extra innings, put a speedster on first. And I think that would encourage speed on base paths. I love that. More base runners, the better I'd do it. But, like, the rule changes, right? So, the seven-inning doubleheader, um, that's weird, but that's happened. And, you know, that's where we're at. But I, I'm thankful, though. Like, no matter what, like, rule changes, like, might not be ideal. But I realize, like, I'm really thankful to have baseball. There are a lot of people out there that aren't leaving the house as much as they used to. There are a lot of people out there whose jobs look a little weird, And no matter what rule changes we've got to have to make baseball, I'm not mad at it, right? I think, you know, baseball is family. Baseball's way more than winning and losing in, you know, the 60-game season, not feeling like Major League Baseball. I think ultimately, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are going through a lot of stuff and just having live baseball. Like, I love it. And really, I don't mind that there are no fans in the crowd. Like, that was a weird concept, right? Where the season's announced and it's sort of just like, it's going to be weird to watch because there are no fans, right? Like, that's what I was thinking. But really, like, the game's no, it's no worse for me that there aren't fans out there. Like, the cardboard cutouts, like, those are really fucking weird. (laughs) Like, I think, um, who was it? I was watching, tonight I was watching part of the White Sox-Royals game, which Eloy Jimenez, oh my God. God, that guy's got some power. And I think there's a cardboard cutout of Steve Balboni, bye-bye Balboni, in the front row at the Royals game. And I love, love it. Steve Balboni is the man, dude. Like, listen, there are like three, three of my favorite sluggers 
are guys that just go out there and like they don't even fucking walk. Like they either strike out or hit a home run. And that's like Joey Gallo, Rob Deere. <laughs> Rob Deere's the man. And Steve Balboni. Like, dude, I love those guys. That's why I love Joey Gallo so much because he reminds me of Balboni and Rob Deere. It's just like, bro, all I want to do is hit a home run. And like, that's fine because listen, when you when you played little league baseball. What do you want to do more than anything? Well, you want to hit a fucking home run. Like, who cares about anything else, right? And, like, guys like Joey Gallo, Balboni, and Deer, they just didn't change from Little League. And they were like, I want to go hit a home run. And I'm like, well, go hit a damn home run. Like, that's what I like. Like, that's the funnest thing in sports is to hit a home run. Like, so just go for it. Like, Mickey Mantle one time in an interview, he said he had a fan come up to him. And the fan's like, hey, Mickey, let me ask you something. Mick's like, what up? And the fan is like, you ever go up to the plate and try to hit a home run? And Mickey goes, every single time. <laughs> I'm like, bro, hit that home run. It is legit. You will love it, man. Um, but check this out. When my parents came up this past weekend, they brought. Dude, I got it right here. Hold on. They brought my first two. See, that's, that's my T-ball bat. So my parents came up and they brought my first two. Baseball bats I ever had, they brought. I got an Easton 29 inch, 23 ounce that I used. I mean, this was probably like in third grade. And then I've got a Louisville Sluggle, Louisville Slugger big barrel featherweight T ball bat. I guess my dad gave me the featherweight T ball bat for bat speed so I could really bash baseballs in T ball. And bro, these bats, like these are the first ever baseball bats that I ever had. You know, my parents came up, my dad bought, brought them for me, dude. And Honestly, they're in pretty good shape. Um, super excited to have them, and they bring up so many memories, dude. Like, I remember in Little League, like, in between innings, sneaking to the concession stand to buy the beef jerky that was shredded. <laughs> and so I would buy the beef jerky that was shredded and put it in my lip because all I wanted to do is chew chew and tobacco. So I would go there, and I would get the beef jerky and put it in my lip, but like, I wouldn't eat it. Like I would just, I remember putting the shredded beef jerky in and I would just like suck it dry to get as much spit as I could. So I would try to get like the biggest, darkest beef jerky spit I could get. And when I had that spit saved up, I would wait till like the opportune time. Like if I was about to bat, I would go out there with it and just hawk a big loogie when I was going from the on deck circle while I was walking to the plate, like my goal was to just hawk a big ass loogie to basically intimidate the pitcher and show that I was a badass, man, because a big leaguers too, like that's what you do when you're a kid. It's just like the sandlot. And you had to have like that energy and that power. And if you had a big spit and all the kids saw it, because in Little League, you would have like kids from different grade schools right? Because it was from everybody. So you would want to like really, you know, go alpha dog on the other kids with your big spit. And, you know, maybe they didn't know about the shredded beef jerky. So they would see the dip and be like, holy shit, is he chewing? And then when you see the big spit that I saved up like for five minutes on the bench and I spit it out at the right time before I go to bat, it was the shit. Like that is, that's what I'm talking about, man. Um, <laughs> legit man but the bats are awesome and they do though I got these little league bats from my dad man they bring up so many memories dude like I remember so my dad in, in grade school he was also like before junior high right he was my baseball coach so 
him and my uncle were baseball coaches, right? So I remember going to practices like on Saturday morning. He had a single cab Chevy S10 truck, right? And he worked construction and he smoked as well, which like to this day, I have this really good like nostalgic feeling for smoking Marlboro Light. Or, he smoked Marlboro Lights because my mom smoked Marlboro Lights. And so that was the thing. So when it comes to like cigarettes, like every now and then I'll go out and buy a pack of Marlboros and like smoke them. Because it just reminds me of like just being a kid and like playing baseball, right? Because when we would go to practice, his ashtray would just be overflowed with uh, cigarette butts and ashes, dude. And there'd be like honey bun wrappers on the floorboards and stuff. And like when I got these bats, like I just it made me remember just being in that truck, dude, and listening to Creedence Clearwater Revival on the way to like practice, man. And when I was a kid, I fucking hated CCR, dude. But it's funny because a lot of the stuff that your parents do that you hate when you get older, you do those same things because you loved it, you know, but it takes you getting older to sort of appreciate that stuff. And that's sort of one of the things I think that baseball's given me is it's helped me to remember like certain things, whether it be like the music or the cigarettes or the honey buns or like the shredded beef jerky, right? As I get older, like I grow fond of that stuff and having a daughter of my own and, you know, my wife and I may have a second kid, you know, those are a lot of things that I'm embracing. And, you know, I, there are a lot of things in life that I truly enjoy that, you know, started, you know, with baseball, but spread out like into other avenues, right? Um, like to this day, my favorite truck is an S10, right? And that has nothing to do with baseball, but like it sort of did because it was that truck, right, that I went to practice in. And like that to me is fun, you know, and um, I just enjoy it, right? And, you know, it's sort of uh, pretty meaningful to have those bats, like no doubt about it. And one of the things, though, I learned is um, some of the stuff like I had as a kid, like especially with baseball cards, but I had someone message me the other day, I think on Instagram, that said, that they had, I don't know, like if it was a Ted Simmons glove or might have been a Griffey or an Eric Davis glove or something like that. I wasn't sure. And a lot of times, like the stuff you had, like if you had a glove or a bat when you were a kid and you don't have it anymore, right? Because sometimes that happens. You can actually go to eBay and a lot of folks sell some of that older stuff, right? So when I was in junior high, I had this really dope Easton Reflex baseball bat. But I, when I left Nashville, Tennessee, the bat never came with me. It got lost somewhere. And I want to say like three or four months ago, I found the exact bat on eBay and I ordered it and I got it in the mail and I re-gripped it with the lizard grips because it had the original Easton grip on it, which basically melts in your hands, right? And just turns into black dust and it's filthy. So I got a bright orange lizard grip, which lizard grips are phenomenal and wrap that sucker up and I've got it right here in my podcast studio right now, dude, and it's just badass to have, so if you think of certain things you had when you were a kid, like, go check out eBay, like, there's, like, you can get, like, baseball bats, gloves, and there's a really good selection on there of folks selling stuff, which is so badass, dude, I do that with baseball cards all the time, like, I'll think of, like, particular baseball cards I had when I was a kid that I loved a lot, and I'll go to eBay and buy them up, dude, it is so fun, I've been spending stupid, <laughs> stupid money on eBay. It's it's an addiction. <laughs> Can someone loan me some money? This podcast doesn't make any money. This is just me in a podcast studio in my house. Like I do it for fun. So send money so I can buy more cards and support my habit. <laughs> All right, let's keep this thing moving. 
Let's get into our player of the week. Okay, this week's player of the week came into the league in 1966 at the age of 22 and played all 162 games in his rookie season, which does not happen a lot, if ever. He may have only been like the second person ever to do it when he did. I don't really know. And that is George Scott, first baseman for the Boston Red Sox and Milwaukee Brewers. That's the majority of where his career was. Right now, this guy was the real deal. He was this, this huge dude. Listed at 6'2", 200, but the guy was at least 6'2", 250. I mean, ginormous. His nickname was Boomer because he hit baseball so damn far, they just boomed out, right? And he even, I think he coined the term tater because he called his home runs taters. So he's like, all I do is just hit taters, right? And this guy was a phenomenal defender at first base. Eight-time gold glover, dude. He was just, he was this big dude, but had great hands, and he just moved like a big cat. Like, he was like a fucking tiger at first base. Like, the guy was the real deal. He racked up 271 home runs in his career, and he's also a three-time All-Star, right? The guy was the real deal. So, dude, and he was such a funny dude, right? So, here's how, <laughs> here's how I... I found, so I, like, obviously I knew who George Scott was, but I barely knew anything about George Scott. So, like, a couple weeks ago, I'm watching an episode of This Week in Baseball. During quarantine, FS1 was playing a lot of old This Week in Baseball episodes, so I record them on my DVR. I have YouTube TV, so I can just watch them wherever. And I guess he was, like, a like some sort of hitting coach or something for the Red Sox in 86, and so the reporters for this week in baseball, they were going around asking the Red Sox if they were worried about choking. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so rude. So I guess it was about 86 where I feel like the, the Red Sox started to feel the heat for the curse of the Bambino and not having won a World Series in like since 1918, right? So it's so cold-blooded, dude. Fucking announcers didn't give a shit about what players thought in the past. Like, these days, like, David Price, like, attacked Dennis Eckersley on a plane because he critiqued his style of play. Like, I don't know what a baseball announcer is supposed to do. Like, players these days, you can't say anything bad about him because they're, they just get hurt. Like, they get upset. But announcers back in the day would just straight up be like, that player sucks or this team sucks. Like, they don't give a shit. So the, this week in baseball announcers, they're just straight up asking these Red Sox, what does the word choke mean to you? Are you worried about choking? Do you think about choking? And so they asked George Scott and George Scott, well, the word choke does mean something to me. It means that's what I do when I grab a person around his neck. And I'm like, because <laughs> the guy's ginormous. And he goes, he, so he tells, literally tells the this week in baseball boarders, yeah, the word choke means something to me. It's when you grab someone around the neck and choke him. And I'm like, oh God, run now. Cause he's going to kill you. If you keep asking these Red Sox questions about choking, but Listen, he meant it in a funny way because George Scott was one of the funniest guys ever. And so when he passed away, um, I don't know how long ago, he fuck, he's been dead for a little while. He died in he died in 2013, right? So when he died in 2013, everyone was like, listen, this guy was a phenomenal first baseman. A lot of his teammates for the Red Sox were like, I've never seen a guy defensively play first base as well as George Scott did. He could cover so much ground, but they also would say about George Scott, if you were an infielder, 
and you just got the ball anywhere in the direction of him where he could reach the ball, he would somehow scoop the ball. That's how good he was. Where infielders were like, he just saves me from getting a bunch of errors. Like, he was damn good, right? And you got a guy, like, if you look at his wins above replacement, like, it's nothing to talk about, right? 39 and a half. So, like, in today's data world, you could look at a guy like George Scott and just be like, whatever, it's just another player, right? Like, eight-time gold glove, three-time all-star. Like, who really cares? But this was a guy that was a damn good defender, was a damn good power hitter. He actually even led the league in home runs one year and had... I, I, uh, um, shoot, one, two, three, uh, like seven or eight home run, 20, and, 20 or more home run seasons, which was a big deal then, right? Like when he led the league, he hit 36 home runs and he had 27 home runs in his rookie season, also struck out 152 times, but he cut down on that, right? Which was the deal. And I mean, the guy Lifetime had a 767 OPS, right? Which was still good and also got MVP votes in seven different seasons, including his age 33 season. See, he was at a baseball by age 35, and I think he he ended up carrying around way too much weight. But listen, if you're going to be a Husky boy and hit bombs, hey, you're going to gain some weight, right? That comes with the territory, right? A big waistline is a sign of wealth and ferociousness when it comes to playing baseball, right? And listen, I get pissed, right? People on my Instagram have been like, baseball players aren't real athletes. Like, I posted a picture of Greg Luzginski, just gut, big waist, dude, like a 50-inch waist just hitting bombs, man. And people were like, yeah, baseball players aren't athletes. And I'm like, bro, like, Dave, like Greg Luzinski looks like a linebacker. <laughs> you could tell me he's not an athlete, dude. And Greg Luzinski was a good hitter, good power hitter, right? Not a high for average hitter. But listen, dude, George Scott, man, Plenty of seasons where he had MVP votes. Gold glove guy. George Scott was a difference maker on a team, right? Like in today's world, like if you think of a guy like David Ross, right? David Ross will never get into the Hall of Fame. But the teams he was on, he meant a lot to, right? And that's because of what he brings to the clubhouse. And that's what George Scott did, really. And it starts with George Scott because of the type of human being he was, right? So George Scott's dad died when he was like two years old or something, right? So his mom worked three jobs to support him, and I think he had two other siblings. And by the time George Scott was nine, he actually got a job picking cotton because the family needed money at nine years old, right? And, you know, that's what happened really when with these old baseball players, which is why I love researching guys like George Scott because these were just hardworking dudes, man. Like you got like Mordecai three finger Brown for the Cubs who literally had only three fingers because he caught a, caught a, he cut his finger off in like some farm equipment or something. Right. And that's what you get with George Scottman is you got a guy that was tough that would just do things that maybe he didn't want to do to get the job done. And you can look at the type of baseball player George Scott was. And when you tell me he started picking cotton at nine years old, I'm like, well, hell, it shows in the type of character he has because he was such this hardworking dude, man. And that's what I love about these old school baseball players is they were tough, man. Like they chewed tobacco. They didn't care. They weren't doing Pilates in the offseason. They weren't on like hair care commercials or none of that shit. They were heavy drinkers. They were smokers. They just put fat wads in their lip and just spit it on the ground. They didn't need a Dr. Pepper bottle to spit their stuff in. They probably ate the red man. Like, literally, George Scott is on deck swinging a fucking piece of rebar to warm up, man. Like, if that's not a badass dude, like, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, listen, George Scott, 
Bro, listen, here, one of the funny moments of George Scott's, right, about George Scott. So he wore this necklace, right? And this necklace had, like, all these, like, weird stones on it. And a reporter asked George Scott one time, he said, hey, George, what's your uh, what's your necklace made out of? And his answer, he goes, my necklace is made out of second baseman's teeth. And I was like, hell yeah. Because that, like, epitomizes, like, old school hardcore baseball is just, like, taking out the second baseman and just not giving a shit, right? But that's how the game was played, man. And that's how George played it, right? George played the game hard. And that's the, and, but he said that also being funny, but like, bro, I guarantee if he ever came into second, the second baseman in those days is just going to get out of the way. Like a literal train is coming through at that point. Just get the hell out of the way, man. Now, listen, when George Scott came up, guy was a phenom, right? Like when he was in the little league, he got investigated when he was 12 years old because the folks running the Little League didn't think he was 12 years old because he hit like eight home runs in three games. And they're like, why is this guy so good? So he gets discovered by a scout. They send him up. He goes to double A and wins like the triple crown in double A. And so at age 22, that's when he got called up and played the whole damn season, right? 162 games. And I'm thinking in my head like, well, of course he played 162 games because when he was nine years old, he was picking cotton. 162 games in the hot heat was a vacation to George Scott. He's just like, we're good, man. I could do this all day. Um and what's also about George Scott, which you have to love, is George Scott was a no-ear flap helmet kind of guy. You know what I mean? Just like Dick Allen, just like John Olerud, Ozzie Smith, man. The no-ear flap helmet is the sign of just a tough, legit baseball player. But part of the reason why he had to wear it is because fans would throw shit at him while he played in the field. And that happened a lot with old school baseball, especially with black guys, man. African-American athletes, like fans would throw shit at him. But really... You ever go on YouTube and just watch 80s baseball games? It's fucking crazy because fans throw stuff on the field all the time. They got Morgana. Have you ever heard of Morgana the Kissing Bandit who would just run on fields? She had like size G tits and she's just running out there. Looks like she's about to knock herself out. Dude, like yeah, fans would run on the field all the time. We're a bunch of weirdos, man. But 70s baseball? No, oh, 70s baseball is filthy, dude. It's so weird. Um, there's, listen, I'll tell you this right now. If you go to my Instagram, which is at greatest show on dirt, right? So go, I think it is. I always forget what my Instagram name is. I think it's greatest show on dirt here. I'll tell you right now. I always forget this dude. That's what happens when you're 36 and you try to do social media. Greatest show on dirt. If you go to Instagram, go to greatest show on dirt, or you can go to Twitter and find me at greatest on dirt. Okay. So like a few days ago, I found a clip on YouTube of Dennis Martinez. Yes, El Presidente in 1977. Dennis Martinez is an Oriole. And George Scott's on the Red Sox. And George Scott's batting. George is a righty. And Dennis Martinez throws at George Scott's fucking head. He's going high and tight. He puts George Scott on the ground. George Scott gets up runs right at Dennis Martinez. And I've never seen this in my life. Dennis Martinez darts off. He's running away from George Scott like he's someone's little brother who's trying to put him in the figure four leg lock to repeat all the wrestling moves that they learned on TV. And Dennis Martinez is just running just as fast as he fucking can. 
both benches empty. And what's so wild about this is when the Orioles bench and the Red Sox bench empty, they don't fight each other. They go to hold George Scott back, and it takes both teams takes guys on both teams to hold George Scott back because he's so mad. And what Dennis Martinez did is so Dennis is running from George Scott and Dennis cuts a corner like he's the fucking roadrunner and George hits the deck because he's a big dude. So he's not that agile. Then when George Scott falls down and he gets back up, that gives the other teams the opportunity to basically pin George on the ground and make sure he doesn't kill Dennis Martinez. Listen, I've never seen a pitcher throw at a batter the batter charge the mound and the pitcher just say, fuck this and run away. Usually the pitcher will be like, they'll stand their ground and fight. But Dennis was like, nah, man, I'm <laughs> he darted, dude, darted, man. Um, but that was it, man. That That's Boomer, George Scott, dude, just a stellar dude, man, stellar. If go to YouTube, watch some of his videos, like, because there are highlights of him on YouTube, man. Just a, just a funny dude, played the game hard. And he's one of the guys that, you know, you might not hear about a lot because his stats aren't pretty. You know, when you think of, I guess, the greats that played the game, like statistically speaking, you know, like you're Hank, he's, he's no Hank Aaron. He's not Jackie Robinson. He's really not even Dick Allen, right? But Dick Allen is one of those guys, too, you don't hear a lot about. But George Scott was just a damn good baseball player you might not have heard of. And if you go and read his Wikipedia page and go read some articles on him, you know, like after he passed and stuff and people talking about him, you really learn that George Scott was a, a sweetheart, man. He was just a good guy. Like he dropped out of high school at one point to help his family with money because like I said, his mom was working three jobs and he was just a great guy, you know, and I think of you know, when you talk about baseball, like having a marketing problem or whatever, and, and baseball's done a better job at it, right? Where, you know, they're having like promotions around the Negro Leagues and stuff to get a lot of those names out there. But there are guys like Dick Allen and George Scott and Dave Parker, like these really like good names that were out there that really aren't talked about a whole lot. And I do like like I said, during quarantine, I think I said this a couple podcast episodes ago, during quarantine, right, all I did was watch old baseball. And those old baseball stories and, you know, reading about old players like George Scott, they actually motivate me and excite me about current baseball because I know the players that I see now that, you know, 15, 20 years from now, I'm going to be like, man, like, remember that throw Mookie Betts made? Like, whoa, like, what the heck? And I think, you know, and then even like maybe fringe players that, you know, might not, you know, stand the test of time like Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is not a Hall of Fame caliber player. He's nowhere near the level of Mookie Betts. But his 2015 home run, I'll never forget it because it was just right place, right time. And it was just a bomb, right? And there are players like that to where I look at George Scott and, you know, do research on older baseball, and it makes me appreciate newer baseball and like it more, and that's sort of where I think Major League Baseball is leaving a lot of good stuff on the table because there are really good baseball stories out there that people don't talk about, you know, and I think really deserve to, um, you know, have some words said about him, and, you know, definitely George Scott is one of those guys, no doubt about it.
<laughs> okay, let's get to the next topic. Dodgers Astros. Listen, a few days ago, the Dodgers and the Astros played. Now, these teams hadn't played since 2017 in the World Series, where the Astros beat the Dodgers in the World Series in the 2017 season was the season that was proven that the Astros were banging on trash cans and had a center field camera. So they were stealing signs all season and during the postseason, right? So you would think there's going to be a little bad blood here. So two-game series, Dodgers and Astros. And I think I think they were playing in L.A., I think. I don't know where they were playing at. It's really irrelevant because there were no fans there, right? So... <laughs> um. The first game of the two-game series, Joe Kelly comes in in the sixth inning, right? And he's pitching to Alex Bregman and throws 96 miles an hour behind Bregman's head all of a sudden. Now, here's the lead-up to that, right? So Kelly throws at Bregman. Now, I don't think he was trying to hit him, and here's what happened. So Joe Kelly's facing Alex Bregman, and we've obviously had shit for spring training. Pitchers, good pitchers look really bad. Now, Joe Kelly's not a great pitcher, but he's effective sometimes, and other times he's giving up playoff grand slams, right? So Joe Kelly's pitching to Alex Bregman. First pitch misses, second pitch misses, third pitch misses. Joe Kelly has no control at this point and can't find the plate. Now, it was on the 3-0 pitch that Joe Kelly threw 96 behind the head of Alex Bregman because it was up at the head level, but it was completely behind him. So I'm sure when you look at the pitch, if you haven't seen it already, it's clear that Joe Kelly was intending to throw behind him and did not want to hit Alex Bregman. A lot of folks are like, Joe Kelly could have ended someone's career. No, Joe Kelly wasn't trying to hit him. Joe Kelly's a major league pitcher. I mean, I could throw behind somebody as hard as I could, so I'm pretty sure Joe Kelly could do it. I got no problem with what Joe Kelly did, and I got no problem with pitchers trying to make hitters shit their pants in the batter's box. You got to establish that for the plate. Listen, a pitcher pitching high and tight to a hitter is no different than a hitter standing on top of the plate like Anthony Rizzo does. So Joe Kelly throwing at Alex Bregman is literally no different than Anthony Rizzo standing on top of the plate. It's just not. It's establishing part of the plate for a competitive edge. That is baseball strategy, my friend. Now, listen, here's what I think happened. So like I said, the pitch behind Bregman was a 3-0 fastball. So what I think happened is Joe Kelly throws the first three pitches and he can't find the fucking plate. He's dog shit right now. And so what I believe happened is on that fourth pitch, Joe Kelly was on the mound and he's probably like, well, I can't throw a fucking strike. And I'm pissed at these guys, right? Because Joe Kelly, what's interesting is Joe Kelly wasn't a Dodger in 2017. This is his second year as a Dodger. Joe Kelly in 2017 was on the Red Sox, right? But what happened is the Astros, on their way to winning the 2017 World Series, they beat the Boston Red Sox. And Joe Kelly was the Boston Red Sox. So, like, Joe Kelly's like, he's doing this for his Boston teammates, bro. Dirty water up in this motherfucker. He doesn't care about these Dodgers guys in any of the World Series shit. He's like, bro, I got other beef to deal with, right? So what I think happened is on that, by the time he's going to throw the fourth pitch, he's like, I can't find the strike zone. He's like, fuck it. I'm just going to let one loose and just throw behind him because I'm going to walk him anyway, but I don't want to hit him. So I'm just going to throw behind him because my control looks like garbage. So he whizzes it behind him, man. And Alex Bregman is just like, he looks like he's in shock. Like he just saw a ghost. Like he doesn't look after Joe Kelly throws the pitch behind Bregman, Bregman, he looks like he's shy and embarrassed. Like, he doesn't look at Joe Kelly. He doesn't look mad. He looks like, he looks intimidated at this point, right? 
and it and Joe and like that's all that happens. So like stuff starts to get a little heated, but it just sort of is what it is, right? Like his control looked off. And I, here's the thing, like Joe Kelly could be a complete psychopath. I'm not too sure because (laughs) after I swear to God, Joe Kelly throws the pitch behind Bregman, walks him on four pitches, literally whizzes a 96 mile an hour missile behind his head, right? The catcher throws a new baseball to Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly immediately yawns. And this isn't like a fake acting yawn. He yawns like he's fucking tired because the night before he was binge watching The Office on Netflix. He's legitimately tired. So at that point, I'm like, bro, this guy is a pure psychopath right now. Who does that? Who the hell throws 96 behind a guy and yawns? Like, you would surely be a little revved up after that, but he doesn't give a shit. He's just like, whatever, right? But the fun stuff happens. When Carlos Correa comes to bat, right? Correa was like the outspoken guy in the offseason that was basically telling the rest of Major League Baseball verbatim, Carlos Correa was like, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Everyone cheats, right? So Carlos Correa is basically like the bad, bad guy in this Houston dugout, right? Like if you would ask most fans and Major League Baseball players who they hate the most, it's got to be Correa, right? So it's something... I believe Joe Kelly at this point was ahead in the count. Joe Kelly throws like an 80-something mile an hour breaking ball at Correa's head, right? Which is weird, right? Because like you, it's presumed that both pitches thrown at Bregman and Correa were on purpose, right? But what's interesting is like is like the pitch to Bregman was a fastball, right? So that's what it is. Nobody throws at the hitter on a breaking pitch, but this was an 80-something mile-an-hour breaking ball that came at Correa's head, and he literally just fell down <laughs> to get out of the way. It's like when your older brother is beating you up, and you just go limp so you can't get your ass kicked. Like, <laughs> this breaking ball comes up at Correa, and he just goes limp and falls to the ground, and that's when, like, stuff sort of got contentious, right? So Correa picks himself up, and just, like, tries to compose himself, and his helmet falls off. He's like, or I don't know if his helmet fell off or if he took his helmet off, but he's, like, staring down Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly doesn't give a shit. He's probably yawning, thinking about what he's going to do after the game. Like, he literally doesn't care at all, right? When, what was it, in 2018, when Joe Kelly was a Red Sox and he threw at Tyler Austin, who was the Yankees, like, catcher or infielder, right? This Tyler Austin guy for the Yankees slid into second and went spikes up on Brock Holt. And Brock Holt was like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, he literally stuck his foot out away from the bag. Tyler Austin did, who was like a, call him a Yankees infielder. I don't know what position he plays. Tyler Austin, Yankees infielder, slides into second. Brock Holt's a second baseman. Brock Holt catches the ball and sort of comes off the bag. But while Tyler Austin's sliding, he's got to spike up and jabs it out to the left away from the base and jabs Brock Holt, right? And Brock Holt's like, what the fuck are you doing, man? They had some words or whatever, right? So either later, I think later that night, Joe Kelly's pitching, and he's pitching against Tyler Austin, and he straight up doesn't hide shit. First pitch, he throws 98 right in Tyler Austin's back. Tyler Austin slams his bat on the ground. It breaks, and he starts to walk out to the mound. Joe Kelly gets in, like, this fighting stance. Like, he's like Kurt Angle in WWF, 
both hands, he's like, come on, motherfucker. And they immediately start to fight, and Joe Kelly's just bashing him, right? So, like, there's no doubt in my mind, Joe Kelly just doesn't care to fight. Like, me and you might walk to the kitchen, grab a beer out of the fridge, and, like, we're not thinking anything. Like, our, our adrenaline's not going, you know? We're just, like, cool and chilling at the house. Well, that's how Joe Kelly is when he's fighting people and throwing at batters. So... <laughs> So there's so that's what happens. So Carlos gets up, they finish the at bat, and Joe Kelly strikes out Carlos Correa. And after he strikes him out, he goes, "Nice swing, bitch!" And then he's walking to the dugout, mocking him the whole time with funny faces. Sticks his tongue out the whole night. Now, what's funny about that is we there was no camera on Joe Kelly. When he said, nice swing, bitch. So nobody knew that that's what he said to Carlos Correa. But post-game, they're interviewing Dusty Baker, who's the manager now of the Houston Astros. Dusty Baker's like 75 years old. So he's giving an interview. And the interview person's asking him. They're like, well, Dusty, like, what happened? Like, why, why was Carlos Correa so fired up at Joe Kelly? Because after... The strikeout, all we really saw was Carlos chirping Joe and then Joe Kelly just making funny faces. He was like, nah, 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 like stuck his tongue out and all this stuff, right? But so post-game, Dusty Baker answers the question because the the reporters are like, why is Carlos Cray like so pissed, right? Was he pissed about the pitch? And Dusty's like, no. He goes, after Joe Kelly struck Carlos Correa out, Joe Kelly looked at Carlos and said, nice swing, bitch. And it was so funny to hear Dusty Baker say, nice swing, bitch. Because it was like your grandma at the dinner table calling Barack Obama a son of a bitch or whatever politician, right? And it's just like, dude, like, what the heck? And uh, that's what it was like. Dusty Baker, well, true story. It wasn't Barack Obama, but it was like when George W. Bush was in office, my my grandma, my granny lived across the street from me. And she's like 5'2", 95 pounds. And she started talking about politics to me. And she's like, George Bush, every time I see him, I think, you son of a bitch. And to me, it's really funny when old people cuss. So when Dusty Baker was like, he said that Joe said, nice swing, bitch, I was cracking up. And there was no camera angle for it. So we didn't know that until Dusty Baker had said it. And, like, I'm dying on the inside, right? Then Joe Kelly, Joe Kelly gets suspended eight games. Eight games. Do you know what the Astros got suspended for stealing signs and winning a World Series? None games. (laughs) They didn't get suspended any games at all. But, like, I know what's happening here is Major League Baseball, right? Like, Fuck, I Rob Manfred like does not care about the integrity of the game whatsoever. He doesn't even care to market his players or players of the past to improve the current game, right? Like Rob Manfred sucks. He shouldn't have his job. Rob Manfred should actually be suspended. Rob Manfred should get a lifetime suspension for baseball because he did not ensure that baseball started on the 4th of July. Baseball should have started on the 4th of July. It didn't happen. It's Rob Manfred's fault because he's the commissioner of baseball and he should get a lifetime ban for Major League Baseball, right? Rob Manfred does not care about the league whatsoever, right? So like when it came to the interrogation process for the Houston Astros, right? None of the players got suspended for the Astros because they only told the truth when they were granted. What's the word when you're like Rob Manford was like, we won't give you any punishment if you tell us what you did. And so the players were like, "Okay, we'll tell you, because presumably Rob Manford thought that he couldn't get 
any answers from the Astros unless he promised immunity. So he promised immunity and the Astros spilled their guts, right? And that's what happened. But here's the thing, like, whatever the Astros told Rob Manfred, you know it wasn't all of the truth, right? There were rumors out there of electronic devices and things like that. I'm not here to say Jose Altuve was wearing a buzzer or not. Listen, I don't, I don't know and I don't care, right? But I do know this. Whatever the Astros told Major League Baseball, there's no way in hell it was 100% the truth. It just wasn't. So if Rob is like, tell me the truth and you'll get immunity, you know that you're still not going to get all the truth. So it's just like, whatever, man. So like that's why none of the Astros got suspended. And obviously, he suspended Joe Kelly eight games because he was like, it's got to be steep because every single player Nearly every single player on every single team hates the Astros right now and wants a piece of them because the teams that the Astros have cheated against, it's ever from the White Sox to the teams in their division to the Dodgers to the Red Sox. Like the list goes on and on of people that are just pissed. I mean, during the offseason, you had guys like Mike Trout that said they had no respect for the Houston Astros. You know, Mike Trout ruffles zero feathers. He, he's not a, he does not say stuff that will get a rise out of anybody. He's just not a controversial guy. And for Mike Trout to say he doesn't respect the Astros players, that's fucking huge. That gives you a little bit of an insight into how pissed off players are. So, of course, Joe Kelly had to get an obnoxious amount of games so folks won't do it because this is a 60-game season. So now that Joe Kelly's got an eight-game suspension— there's no way other pitchers throw at the Astros because we've only got a 60-game season, and he just got suspended for eight of those games. I'm no mathematician, but that's a big-ass percentage of games. It hurt. Hold on. I'll do the math right now. Hold on. Let's do this. Let's do... I think you got to do eight divided by 60, right? That's 13%. Getting suspended eight games of a 60-game season is 13%. So if this was a 162-game season, Joe Kelly's suspension would be a 21-game suspension. I don't think Rafael Palmero got suspended 21 games for his failed steroid test after they went in front of Congress. That's a huge suspension. But of course, it's like Rob Manfred doesn't want everyone throwing at him. And teams definitely now aren't going to throw at the Astros because every game counts. Like maybe if, I don't know, like the best I can hope is, you know, if it gets to game 50 of this season and a team knows they're not going to make the postseason, that maybe they'll throw at the Astros. Like I'm pissed at Rob Manfred for giving Joe Kelly an eight-game suspension because he's taken away from all of us the thrill of the Astros getting thrown at. Because right now, everyone's in the race. And if a lot of teams go down to the wire, no one's going to want to risk that big of a suspension to throw at the Astros. So the most we can hope for is some good team out there that the Astros have screwed over, shit the bed, maybe the Athletics because they're in the same division. Or, I don't know, just anybody, right? That will Because I want... Here's the thing, dude. Like I don't hate the Houston Astros. Like I, The players on their team, I don't prefer. But listen... All the way after World War II when Greenies became a part of Major League Baseball, baseball players have always tried to find an edge by cheating, right? Do I think the Astros cheating is a huge deal? No. Fucking every baseball team cheats, right? But it's also fun to see um, teams get mad and throw at the Astros. 
And I feel like Rob Manfred giving Joe Kelly an eight-game suspension has taken all that joy away from us. I want to be like, Rob, you're fucking up baseball even more. Like, let him throw at the Astros. Like, no one's going to hit him and end their careers. People after the Joe Kelly thing were like, he could hurt someone. He could have ended someone's career. He didn't even try to hit Alex. He threw it behind the man. Like, <laughs> dude, like, if you feel that baseball is that dangerous, like, go play golf or be an accountant. Like, I Sorry, Josh, no offense on being an accountant, but being an accountant's a pretty safe job, right? Like, it, but it's baseball. I mean, these are physical sports, and you're going to take a hit, man. So all I got to say is if you're Jose Altuve or Carlos Craig, just put a face guard on. Maybe put a Dave Parker mask on. Like, Dave Parker legit broke his jaw on a home plate slide and was playing baseball wearing a football helmet. So I suggested the Astros just wear football helmets and buckle up. But at this point, I don't know if anyone else throws at him. I'm super pissed about it. Ugh. All right. Next on the agenda, a couple days ago, I watched my first extra inning game of the season with the runner starting on second base. Now, of course, earlier in this podcast, I talked about my thoughts on starting the guy on second base. And yeah, I, I like it for these circumstances. I wouldn't want it long term. But it was it was fun to watch, man. Like I kind of dug it, right? The game that I watched was oh, it was the Nationals and the Blue Jays. It was the Nationals Blue Jays game. So they go to the 10th inning and it was the Nationals that got the guy on second base. Now how the rule works is whoever was the the last batter of the previous inning for that team that's the guy that's got to start on second base in the next inning. That keeps things in order, right? And I don't remember who the Blue Jays had pitching, but I could definitely tell that I felt like it added suspense to the game because, one, you get straight into extras. And it reminded me like of what they do in college football, right? So when you go into overtime in college football, isn't it like each team starts on like the 30 or 40 yard line and you get like accelerated scoring and accelerated gameplay? And it seems pretty exciting and fun. And that's sort of what this reminded me of. So the pitcher immediately, I could tell he was shook and he was on edge. So I thought the competition was actually heightened and I enjoyed it, you know, and I think it for sure. Now, none of the teams bunted. Because I think since I saw that game, I've seen another 10th inning game because the Do in one of the uh, Dodgers-Astros games, they went into extra innings, I believe. And nobody's bunting in these extra inning situations because I, because I guess the data says, like, don't do it, which I, to me, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Like, the fucking Dodgers and Astros went, like, 13 innings before the game finally ended because I think Mookie Betts drove a guy in. But to me, it would have thought, like, if like, – so the Dodgers-Astros went 13 innings, so obviously each team's pitching was doing pretty good. And if you start an inning with a guy on second with no out and you've got faith in your pitching, right, then why wouldn't you just bunt the guy to third and then try to sacrifice if you can have faith in your pitching? But either way, teams aren't bunting, and that's fine. Like, I can respect that. Because even the 13-inning game, like, I didn't mind because each inning, you got the guy on second. So the real, like... The threat of a scored run was there every inning. It, it felt tense, man. Like, it felt like a good game. And I know sometimes, like, when you're dealing in pitcher's duels, like the that Blue Jays-Nationals game that I watched was nothing-nothing after nine innings, right? And sometimes those games can tend to go on, and sometimes it really just feels like it's not the pitching that's pitching really good so much as the hitters just suck butt tonight because what are the chances that everyone's starters and bullpen are just 
looking great that night. You know, sometimes hitters on both sides like just don't have it. And so I feel like when you get extras and you get the guy on the second, right? Like I think it's pretty cool. But I did like I enjoyed like the potential of, you know, pasta, especially in this 60 game season where we're trying to cram a lot of good competition into a short time. I liked the potential of like the back and forth scoring. So like I don't like and even with the Astros and Dodgers game, I think it was like in the 11th inning, each team scored a run and they ended up having to go 13, right? It was like the 10th or the I think it was the 11th that the Dodgers scored the run and then an Astros scored another run. So they must have been in Houston. And like to me like I even enjoyed that. So I don't really care if a game goes 13 innings if both teams are scoring runs. Like I think that's sort of fun cuz you get like sort of that Rocky Balboa Apollo Creed, let's just beat the shit out of each other and see how long this fight goes on. And I didn't mind it, man. Like the runner on second, I was just sort of like let's do it, man. Like I thought it was sort of fun. Um Word is on the street that the Marlins might need more players because they've had so far like 27 people or something get COVID-19. And I'm here to tell you I can hit softball 300 feet, hammer drunk with a cigarette in my mouth. And I'm pretty sure that that would translate pretty well to baseball, right? I mean, technically, if I could hit a softball 300 feet, hammer drunk, if I somehow leaned into a fastball, wouldn't it go pretty far? <laughs> I, I'm, listen, I, if you're listening to this now, like that's a joke. Somebody on the other end of this podcast is listening and saying, this motherfucker thinks he can hit a major league fastball. What an idiot. No, I don't really think I can hit a major league fastball, but I can hit a softball 300 feet hammer drunk with a Marlboro in my mouth. So stick it. I'm pretty sure I could play for the Marlins. Not really. Still, whatever, dude. Um, seven inning double headers are now a thing. Listen, they agreed on the seven inning double headers fast. That starts August 1st, which is today. I don't know if there are any double headers today, but if the Cardinals and the Brewers somehow get their COVID stuff figured out because a couple Cardinals games got canceled this weekend so far because a couple dudes got the Rona, if they can figure that out, we'll have a double header tomorrow. It'll be the first time ever in Major League Baseball that there's a seven inning double header. That's gonna be weird man the union and the league though agreed on it in record time only if they could agree on anything that fast that would be huge for the game of baseball if they could have agreed on I don't know a July 4th start date this season could have been like 80 something games or we wouldn't be in such a tight cramp to get 60 in and work around positive coronavirus tests but whatever man um a lot of major league baseball players they are super pissed about this but like Get a grip, dude. This isn't a permanent rule. I don't care about seven thing doubleheaders. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, buddy, I'm just thankful to have baseball. All a seven-inning game means to me is I might need to shotgun three or four beers because my game quota is 12 beers a game. But if it only lasts seven innings, just shotgun three beers. It's not that hard, right? I don't need to drive. We're in quarantine. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, people are pissed though, man. And you know, they're you know, they always call them purists and they're like, purist this, purist that. Like, I get it, dude. Like, baseball's family, man. There's so much like I get I get a little romantic with baseball, man. I have a lot of sentimental feelings about it. And if it if it changes, it at least with Rob Manfred, it seems like it always changes for the worst. And, like, I don't want that. But, again, like, in this 60-game season, like, I, I appreciate the players who have families. 
like sort of putting, you know, maybe their their comfort on the line to like give us baseball, like whatever. Like granted, they're making a million dollars, so baseball players aren't playing baseball for me. So I don't know if I really appreciate it as much as I'm just glad there's baseball on the TV, you know. But like, I get where purists are coming from when people get pissed about the seventh inning doubleheader or like the non-DH role, right? That's contentious, dude. I would say like when you talk to people about the DH being permanently implemented into baseball, there's no indifference there. People that are against the DH look at people that are for the DH like they've got a unicorn horn sticking out of their head that's shaped like a penis. They think they're idiots, but then you got the purists that are like, I don't want no DH, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Listen, like, do I want the DH? Listen, I don't. Here's here's what's happened, right? My, my heart instinctively goes to always wanting the pitcher to hit in the National League. I don't want a designated hitter, but what's happening here is baseball's changed. And because athletics, starting at a young age, are so specialized, when pitchers make the Major League Baseball, none of them can hit for shit. Pitchers hitting all look like that Dr. Fauci guy trying to throw out the first pitch at the Nationals game. They look awful. They look like Bambi on ice. They just look like, they look stupid. Like, it's embarrassing to watch, like, Garrett Cole go up there and try to hit. Like, have you ever seen Zach Davies step up to the plate and try to swing a bat? Like, it makes me sad for him. Like, dude, like, how would you protect your family if, like, you get robbed? Like, you can't do anything. He literally couldn't swing about. It's comical, right? So, partly because of that reason. Because if you, you're talking about 80s or 90s baseball, I mean, there's a lot of strategy that goes through. A lot of pitchers can hit, right? But they're not all badass dudes like Madison Bumgarner. So, pitchers now suck at hitting. And it's embarrassing to watch them hit. They look like a bunch of wusses. It is. It's truly embarrassing. And their significant others should feel sorry for them and sorry for themselves for picking such a, um, a, I don't know, a non-athletic hitter. Like, I don't know what to say other than it's just unbelievably embarrassing. So, yeah, I think at this point you got to have the DH permanently in the National League to save these pitchers the embarrassment of looking like idiots in the batter's box. And like, so help me God, if Max Scherzer's 36 years old, and if I was a Nationals fan and Max Scherzer was hauling ass down the first baseline because he knows nothing else other than put the pedal to the metal and pulls a hamstring hitting, running out a grounder that he's going to be out on anyway, then fuck, I would be so pissed. So just bring the DH in. And plus, from a young player standpoint, because right now I think Major League Baseball is pushing their young guys, and I can appreciate that. A lot of great young guys in the game. Ronald Acuna Jr., Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Glaber Torres, the Clint Frazier, if he can get in a damn game, right? Just tons, tons of young guys in the game of baseball. What's the National League DH do? It makes It opens up another spot to hit, and it means you can further develop your young guys, and you don't have to bench them as much because you get an extra spot in the batting order so for to get young players into the game and really to extend the the career of older players like sort of what happened with like Carlos Beltran and Adrian Beltran in the AL 
uh, Edwin Encarnacion, you know, guys like that, it's sort of like, yeah, you're extending careers at this point because you've got, you know, the American League DH. I think you need that in the National League as well. And, yeah, I love the idea of young hitters getting more time at the plate because there's an extra spot open in the batting order. And I think that's huge for player development, man, because in this day and age, you got everyone's platooning. And it's like if you're a rookie that can't hit a lefty, your coach is going to sit you out every time a lefty's in there, so you'll never learn to hit a lefty. And then in your mind, you just know you can't hit lefty. So maybe if we give the National League that extra spot in the batting order, they'll let a rookie who sucks at hitting lefties in the lineup against a lefty because he's better than what the pitcher would be. And maybe you'll just get better hitting out of the league. Okay, that's it. This is an hour. I've already talked too long. Find me on Twitter at GreatestOnDerp. Instagram at Greatest Show on Dirt. And then if you go to Facebook, just search Greatest Show on Dirt. I'm there. I post cool stuff. I post funny stuff. And that's it, man. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And until we meet again, have a phenomenal weekend. And I hope your team does really, really good, even if they're playing the Cubs, because I don't care. I'm a Cubs fan. Your team can beat the Cubs. I got 24 old style beers. Let's do this thing. Have a phenomenal week. Take care, guys. See ya.